welcome one and all to another episode of the Bigfoot Learning Podcast, where we're not discussing Bigfoot, but more so the impressions left from learning and from others in our lives. I'm your host, Monica Tooze, and today we have as a guest uh, one of my former advisors for psychology in undergrad at Wisconsin Lutheran College, and was a very incremental help during those times and guided me towards my future. It's the one and only Dr. Leanne Olson. Thank you for joining today. Thank you for inviting me. This is too fun. All right. Well, we're going to start on off with a question that I have started off been trying to play around with it as kind of like the intro question well from your experiences of your own life if you had the opportunity to change the dictionary definition of learning what would you change it to so because I used to teach this class the true definition of learning as I understand it is a relatively permanent change in behavior And that is true, but I'm also going to add a piece that says we are always learning, even if we don't think we are learning. And I've had many students who come up to me and say, you know, I don't remember what you said that day. And I'm like, but that's what's on the test. And they'll say, yeah, but I thought your shoes were awesome. (laughs) So I think what's interesting, and no, my shoes are not awesome, is that we're always taking in information and trying to prioritize it and alter, quote, our permanent behavior, um, when in fact some of this is happening without any control. Mm -hmm. So right now, I'm trying to learn how to speak fluidly and try to introduce myself to you. And I'm probably learning more about technology right now because the whole Zoom thing and the whole recording thing. Um, So I think what I'd add is that though it may be a relatively permanent change in behavior, it is also um, impacting us 24 seven with or without our knowledge. And I believe we're always learning something. Does that make sense? I'd say so. I I love that. That can, hits on point with pretty much what this podcast is all about. And like, you know, I feel like a lot of people hear of learning and they confine it so much to school that they go to through at least 12th grade or possibly a few years after and such. And then they're like, oh, I don't, I don't like learning and such, but it it's ever present in our lives and you can't, it's hard to deny the impact. So I think that even if you like, even if you're thinking, I don't want to be learning this right now, sometimes it's, it's an undercurrent in what's going on and you can't shut it off because you're like picking it up and you're, you're somehow integrating it into who you are as a person or what you're going to do in the next few days or whatever the deal is. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It's, it's ever present. I just wish I could control it more. Fair point. That would be nice to be able to have more control over it. 
Exactly. Because, like you said, some of it you don't know until after the fact. And that I feel like it's a good segue into like the core questions of the podcast is how, you know, sometimes we'll, well, not sometimes we're saying like, we interact every day with people and some more so than others. And then they end up leaving a big impression on our minds of lessons, whether positive or negative of stuff that sticks with us and either notice that right away, or maybe it's a couple of years down the line. And you're like, Oh my, I'm doing this. And I remember this person did that in the past and like seeing possible connections that way of why you're doing something along said lines of like how how you're approaching life or some like minute details or such or your favorite coffee like you said the other day is like um some people influence your choice of great coffees or you know you're like Mm -hmm. you know i didn't know if it was really but when I come down to it, that person introduced me to this amazing thing, like putting cinnamon in coffee. That's like. Mm-hmm. For sure. No, yeah. It, yeah. Ranging from the small, small to big uh, lessons that we take on. So with that, who would you say is, and uh, to keep kind of reinforcing the part of the title, um, for those individuals who step into our life, leaving a impression of lessons, aka Bigfoots for this podcast, who would you say is a personal Bigfoot for your own life? Well, I have to, uh, Jesus um, honestly keeps showing me, you know, not only forgiveness, but <laughs> better ways to approach people and to understand the world and have a bigger perspective. My mom and my grandparents uh, definitely kept telling me I could do it. And I'm going to back up and tell you something you may or may not know. Um, I was undiagnosed with dyslexia when I was little. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's my whole life. It doesn't go away. And so school was really a struggle for me. And they were nice enough to keep seeing my potential and not all my deficits. Mm-hmm. And, and they insisted, you know, if your dream is to, you know, go to grad school and to teach at, you know, a college, we support you 100%. And so they, they helped illustrate, so they, they modeled, and they also supported the great things in people as opposed to their deficits. And as I was thinking about the remaining questions in here, I have to keep saying that I am drawn to the folks who have a quirk, but still have um, such ability, such ability to make an impact on other people and to Mm -hmm. serve other people. So, I mean, obviously you can point back to, you know, impressive teachers that kind of, you know, sort of demonstrate to me that, you don't have to, you know, teach in a particular way that you can actually reach out in multiple ways to help people succeed. And there are always friends who just keep nodding at me. I'm like, am I insane? And they're like, no, you're not insane. <gasps> Thank you. Cause I wasn't sure if I was insane or not. So I think, I think obviously there's a number of people that go 
um, throughout our lives that weave in and out that just keep reminding you that you can keep pursuing um, service, even though some people don't think that, if that makes sense. And so, so we have like, you know, family and, and friends and professors that, that celebrate not what you can't do, but what you can do, if that makes sense. I love that. I, those types of individuals, I think are great because then, you know, while you're going through whatever your passion or goal is that you're pursuing in life, which for you with grad school and eventually becoming a professor for others that like you have that support system that can help you on that journey and helps you see the positives, kind of like keeping that positive lens that I'm hearing while you're going forward, which is really cool. They were critical and that's always helpful. You know, feedback is helpful, but, you know, so it's like, well, maybe you should like talk slower. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. You know, so, I mean, it's not always, you know, just positive, but, but it really, it really does give you the energy because what you do needs to give energy back to you. And sometimes I'm telling you, grading is hard. You know, you say it a hundred times, people still don't do it. You're grading it and you're going, yeah, I'm going to say it one more time. And now I write it down. So it's really nice to have not only cheerleaders, but folks who can help you um, achieve your goals. That's awesome. I want to say something else. It's sort of, um, sort of inspired by some earlier podcasts and, and, and kind of leads to this, that last question in terms of learning. When, when I was in high school, my sister Didi, who now serves as the human social services instructor at WLC, um, was, she's 10 years younger than I. So she was like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old. And she had a friend that lived down the block that played at our house all the time. Now, remember, I'm 17, so I'm in high school and I'm just bebopping around. And this friend of hers actually ended up in the hospital with some mental health issues. And, and, and she's young, so she's like, you know, seven, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And one of the staff at the hospital called my sister and asked if I could talk to that staff member. And, and I talked to that staff member and, and she said, we asked this young woman's little girl, excuse me, you know, who her hero was, which is going to come up to this next question, right? And um, she named you. And my, I'm not, this is, my jaw dropped because she was not on my radar. And that experience, I mean, I, wa- I went to the hospital. It was kind of awkward because I'm like, I don't think I can be anyone's hero. <laughs> um, but the truth is, is that we don't know what kind of impact we make. I mean, we are sometimes blind to that impact. We're not only blind to the bad impact we do, but even the good stuff. And that really reminded me to always sort of have integrity. Try whatever you can, the best you can do it, because you don't know if that person in the back row who never looks up is going to turn around and say, 
you know, I, I really do like what you have to say and I want to talk to you more. It was very, very humbling. I, I just remembered that moment from high school on that I have no idea how or who we're impacting. It could be bad or good or who, if you see them or if you don't see them, how we impact people left and right without even knowing it because of God. I mean, this, that, that was totally a God thing. You know, I'm, not, I'm like, seriously, this is scary because I never really hung out with them because 10 years is huge when you're looking at elementary school versus high school, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I keep that in mind um, whenever I interact with people and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but, but I don't know who we're, I don't know who we're touching. I really don't know who we're touching whenever we're talking, just like, I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. Right. Or, or all your, you know, who knows? So I just wanted to put that story in place because I can label people who really, you know, put a lovely footprint on my psyche or on my brain or on my mind but there are probably people there that I can't name. Does that make sense? And I, yeah, I am grateful to so many people. Um, and, and, and sometimes I'm mad at so many people, <laughs> but, but in the end, um, we're, we're being, like I said, shaped every day by what we see and, and what is unseen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's, I kind of wanted to end though, you know, with, and then all the other people I don't know. <laughs> To that little section on the, um, like, who's impacted you or who's put a footprint on your psyche or mind or brain. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that part because, yeah, it. I totally believe that of you, you don't know who's watching and you don't know who you've watched that also has impacted you so it's yeah all around <laughs> but they did you know and I just didn't put two and two together you know or I didn't I, I wasn't intentional about recalling it if that makes sense mm-hmm. well with knowing that mm-hmm. a lot of what you've gone through so far is kind of like personal connections that you've known that have impacted you or in your last story, like who you've ended up impacting, uh, who would you say is a Bigfoot from afar that could be like an author or to kind of like bring in psychology, any psychologists or anything that like you don't have too much of a personal connection with, but like you've seen their work from afar and have taken to heart some of the lessons and points they've brought up? Absolutely. And I am, I'm a psych nerd. I mean, so I can't like speak to who my, you know, afar folk are without, you know, naming, you know, integral theories that, that sort of develop my current sort of perspective on teaching or my current perspective on developmental psychology. So I'm going to have to say Erickson and Piaget, Erickson, because he's lifelong and, and looks at the hopeful aspects of each of the you know, life stages, Piaget, because it's, it's exactly how I teach. He, he impacted my, my whole mission in terms of teaching Kohlberg, because I adore moral development, um, Carter, because he, he introduced the concept of integrity, which I now try to center just about everything on, um, 
all of those developmental psychologists play play a key role in in how I shape what I teach, how I um, assess, right? And um, pretty much how I interact with people. That said, um, and there's other books, there's a, there's a play that I think has shaped me. Um, and I've never met the author, he's not with us anymore, but his name is Peter Schaefer. And he wrote an, an amazing play called Equus. And I love, as I'm starting to pull all this together and thinking about all these things, um, the story is about a psychiatrist who is in a position where he has to take on a young boy who carved out the eyes of six horses. Now, that's the only true part of the entire story. So the rest is all like kind of fictional. Okay. But he... He basically has to go through a very interesting sort of therapy to get the young boy to discuss why he did it. And in that process, the psychiatrist, who, psychiatrist whose name is Dysart, actually goes through sort of a crisis of his own. So that both the boy and the, the, the client or the patient, if you're a medical doctor, it's a patient, but and the psychiatrists are both going through crises at the same time and they try to work out what is the best way to solve this? And it, it truly is a dilemma. How do we solve this dilemma? And you know, there's no answer to dilemmas, right? There's only the best thing I can do. So I have been impacted by the long monologues that Peter Schaefer wrote about, about Dysart's struggle to um, help this young boy get better. And in the same process, he was gonna take away from the boy um, so that he could quote be normal, um, his sort of psychiatric problems. But in that he was taking away the boy's passion and the boy's fire and the boy's hope. And, and, he, and he really, he ends, he ends with play you know, I'll, I'll make you better, but you're not going to be who you were. And I just find that inspiring in the sense that he's willing to take responsibility for that. And he knows it's quote the right thing to do, but it's, it's painful and sad for Alan, the boy who has to lose, um, in this case, his God, um, which is Equus. So, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure these are development. He's sort of obviously psychology too, right? But um, he, uh, Peter Schaefer is not a developmental psychologist. So um, I think any kind of theory that, that is willing to take accountability for both the positive and the negative development in people is, is really helpful for me um, in terms of how we interact with people, I'm and 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 how I try to live my life. Wow, that's yeah, quite interesting. I when you brought that up, I feel like the first time I heard about that play was taking developmental psych with you um, a couple of years ago, and yeah, I kind of forgot exactly what it was all about, other than the title. So being able to rehear more about it oh it's quite interesting 
In human growth, I talk about it in terms of a rite of passage because the um, person who plays Harry Potter was given the opportunity to play Alan, um, um, I think right as he was turning 18. And this particular play, if, if it's done correctly, is in the round and there's a section and, and Peter Schaefer did this on purpose. There's a section in there where um, Alan has to get naked. And, and it's, it's essential because he's got to be vulnerable. I mean, this is huge. Mm. He has to be stripped naked to be able to face these issues. And um, I talk about it that the people in England or Great Britain certainly didn't want to see you know, little Harry Potter become, as I say, Harry on stage. Um, they didn't want to see him grow up, but in truth, I don't know how else if you're an actor, you can make that step into the adult world and say, look, I am not a child actor anymore. I mean, this was brilliant. I don't know if he did this, I'm making this up, you know, but, but it was a brilliant move on, on his part to be able to say, um, I've been a great child actor and I think that the Harry Potter series is amazing but I want to be an adult actor. And guess what? I'm going to show you I'm an adult. I thought it was just perfect. But that's how I see it. But I, I like to play for a whole bunch of other reasons. I love that struggle to be accountable for both the good and the bad in, in Alan as he sort of gets normal and what cost that is to become normal. Cool. Well, as I feel like I have for each time I've talked with a guest so far, there's something that I haven't necessarily read or watched or listened to yet. So that's going to be another one that I'm adding to my list. And don't well, watch the movie. The movie just doesn't do it at all. If you want to see something about what is normal, you can watch um, Amadeus. That's another Peter Schaefer um, sort of adaptation movie that actually plays with that whole idea normal better than, than the movie that Equus didn't quite, I don't, and I apologize if anyone who was on that particular movie is gonna listen to this, but I don't think that the movie does anything like the play does. If you get the opp opportunity to see the, the actual in the round play, it's, it's powerful if you like psychology. Okay. And horses, I love horses. Well, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Uh, we'll see once um, what opportunities are in the future. Well, very cool. Yeah, definitely had a lot of different influences for psychology end, which I love to hear because I, like you said, you're a psych nerd. I'm I'm a psych nerd too. So. Um, love being able to discuss and learn more on different people or works that have psychological elements to them. Mm -hmm. And we can go to the last question, which, or at least the last core question with, which I try to have a little fun with it uh, for after going through all the examples we've already gone through for this one there are any who would you say would be a fictional bigfoot for you in your life 
Well, I, I came up with one and when I was testing this out on another person, um, that individual told me that this might not be fictional. So um, I can't say anything as cool as Scooby-Doo or stuff like that. So I'll start with sort of my first response to a previous person who said it was Atticus Finch. And I love Atticus, but the first thing I thought of was my hero in that story was Boo. Boo who's in the basement, Boo who's struggling with issues and Boo saves the day. He does the right thing. He plays with, um, I mean, he leaves little toys out for both the kids and then ultimately he fixes the problem in the end. Now, I'm not saying I wanna live my life like Boo in a basement, but again, it, it brought me back to the fact that I wanna see the best out of broken people. I actually wanna help broken people survive. What I wanted to say, and that was just in response to that, is my favorite book is The um, Professor and the Madman. And I love that book, but apparently it's based on the absolute true story of how words got into the um, Oxford English Dictionary. I, I'm going to say that still, there are two people. There's, there's a Dr. William Minor who um, was convicted um, of murder, but pleaded insanity. And he ended up to be um, jailed or incarcerated in England. He adores language and words. He ended up in sort of a chance meeting with um, August Henry Murray, who is one of the key founders and authors of the Oxford English Dictionary. This sort of chance meeting turned out to be that, that Dr. Minor or Minor ended up contributing. He, he was one of the, the biggest volunteers in contributing actual um, I don't know if you know anything about the dictionary, but it goes back. So it says, here's the word, this is how it's used here. This is how it's used here. So he ended up finding multiple uses of particular words as far back as they could go. Now, here's a guy who went insane, who was extremely gifted and was able to contribute in a way that allowed him to stay incarcerated without continuing to go insane because he was working very, very hard and they let him have all his resources and all his books. And here's another guy, the head of the Oxford, well, at least the founder, one of the, one of the founders of the, of the dictionary, who again saw genius in insanity. So, I mean, when I started thinking about all these questions and I started like putting them together it didn't occur to me how these all layered on top of each other and how it's, it's pretty much the same story every single time. Somebody saw in me ability that no one else could see. I saw ability, you know, I find um, theory and afar in terms of um, how can I use that to help serve others to, to have them reach their success or at least reach their potentials. And then even in my semi-fictitious folks, I am thrilled to see folks who are, are, are relatively broken, 
be successful. So I'll say boo for fictitious, but I'm going to say that um, I think that Murray was just so kind to let Minor succeed in this particular case and um, do what he loved, um, which was words. And if you get a chance to read the book, um, the movie's not as good as the book again. Um, it's, it was, I, I, I fell upon it just by accident. I was just trying to find a fun read for the summer. Cause you know, I mean, it's just nice to kind of let go. And I just really love the use of words. He starts out every chapter with a new word and you see where it came from and it all links in and ties in. And I, I just, again, it's just finding potential in helping people reach their potentials. Um, in, in a number of really cool, creative, and sometimes very pragmatic ways. Wow, that is very cool to hear. So there, another book for you to read. I'm all in favor of that, even though, yeah. Great, uh, um, well, with all of those, like what, would you like to leave the listeners with for any final thoughts for today? Mm. Uh, leadership is in service to others. That um, it's, it's nice to have folks out in the front, but in the end, um, Jesus washed Peter's feet. And um, it's the, it's sort of, it's all, it's all in about how you serve others. So leadership is in service. And I, I don't mean to steal the mission from the college. Um, I'm, I'm, I know that's the mission of the college, but, but I think in serving others, I am fully who I am. That's wonderful and great. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me for today's episode very grateful for it uh and hope for everyone who's listening keep on learning throughout your life as we touched on it will happen whether intentional or unintentionally so what try to reflect back and make connections when you can otherwise keep on learning Welcome now to the post-episode reflection for this current episode where I dive back through reviewing the process in and of itself and my experience with the episode for different takeaways that I can use for future episodes to keep in mind and just to keep in mind some of the kind of good better how of like what went well what could have gone better and possible ways to improve that going forward. And one of the main things that stuck out to me while reviewing this episode was dealing with what I can control during the episode and practicing with that. And mainly what I'm trying to get at for there is I feel like I've gotten more comfortable, familiar, and confident for kind of the 
bulk middle part of the episode of going with a decent flow, going with different questions that arise and so that we're able to go with what is coming up with from the answers from the fellow guests. And so with that part, now that I've gotten better on that end, you know, what what is not all of that is necessarily in my control because it's a lot, you know, basing off of the moment of what's brought up for an answer and going off of that going forward. So I know even though I've gone through a good couple of episodes now interviewing people and going through the intro, the outro, and even this new starter question for the interviews. Now that I feel fairly good on those, or at least that those are where I want them to be, since those are my control, I want to go and practice and refine those areas so they're they aren't too jumbled up. I feel like I can even without you know having okay. I know this episode's going to be recorded then. You know, planning out when I'll practice and go kind of mentally rehearse those questions ahead of time. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be the day of the day before. You know, practice for something like that could be any day. And then by the time it's the next interview recording, then it's already a part that I'm so familiar with that then it isn't something that I feel that I need to work on as much, but still work on because, you know, practice itself doesn't make perfect. But perfect practice makes perfect. And with that, consistency also being a key to be able to hold on to that maintenance of any said skill. And with that, I do, I know I first brought in the first question about, you know, can the guest takes on if they could put their own version of the dictionary definition of learning, what would that be based on their experiences? I kind of been testing it out these past few episodes and I really am enjoying that as a creative, a fun way of approaching people of like what, tell me about yourself without having that question and same of like, tell me about yourself because sometimes that I feel like that statement can be intimidating and also it's been used a lot so I wanted to kind of see what different ways I can still approach that area of touching upon who this person is that is uh, with the episode as a guest and also how their views of learning have been shaped from their life and shape their life going forward. And so I'm, that's definitely one that I'm going to keep in for future interviews and keep seeing where that directs the future episodes. I'm really looking forward to that. And then uh, it was a lot of fun for the experience in general. 
uh, having Dr. Olson on because it's great being able to uh, discuss with other psych nerds about you know learning psychology and life in general and it was great also being able to catch up with someone who I haven't really talked to too much uh, for the past year or so and has been someone that I used to interact with on a daily basis for about a good couple years so it was nice and refreshing and uh, nice reminder to myself of like reaching out to people who I haven't talked to in a while and just catch up it can be quite fun and then with this if you get through the, the episode I when I was reviewing it it had some points where it would stop and pause and kind of have this like second or two sound pause but then resume and I tried to double check on those parts and my circling back to those parts then I didn't hear any pause so another area touching upon what sort of can have control over if you have the proper knowledge and or technology likes to be a part where it likes to not be out of our control and just keeping that in mind still learning a lot on the whole technology side of this and adapting and especially with transitioning from one main programming to another and such to be able to have everything all familiar set up properly to be able to help with the ease of the process other than that I enjoyed doing this and look forward to putting in that practice for what I can control and keep learning on the technology side until next time